Amen. Do you want something new today? I'll preach to myself, I guess. I want something new. Amen. If someone asks you if you want a new car, you'd probably respond a little better than that. A new pair of shoes. We know Sister Anna likes shoes. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with the lady liking shoes. But I believe the Lord's here to encourage us today that He wants to do a new thing in our lives. Amen? Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 19 is where we'll begin today. Those of you who don't know, uh, Sister Nancy that was singing with us today, she's over here, maybe lift up your hand a second, Nancy. There's Nancy. She moved here from Hood River and she's going to make our church her home. So she's part of the family now. And we're glad that she, the Lord has brought her here to bless our church. And we want to be a blessing to her, as always. Amen. And Sarah has a friend with her today. What's your friend's name again? Jen. All right, Jen, we want you to feel welcome today. Amen. We're glad she's here with us. Amen. It's good to have everyone here. Amen. Amen. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 19. I'm going to go through several verses today. I might go quicker than what can be kept to speed up there, just for sake of time. Uh, Brother Maurice tries to keep up back there. Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. There's a lot of things to disarm your responses that he can't do a new thing. First of all, he says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Who's saying that? God. Is God ever not able to do something he says? No. So that's your first barrier. It will spring forth. If it hasn't happened yet and it's been so long, well, it's just going to happen quickly, okay? Just be ready for it. The only thing here he's asking is, Are you going to know it? I want to do it. I want to do it quickly. But are you going to know it? Are you going to recognize it? Are you going to get on board with it? And if you think it's an impossible situation, he says, I'm going to make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wilderness has no way. There's been no way carved. It's all overgrown. There's no walking path. But the Lord says, I'm going to make a road right in the middle of the wilderness. And if, if it's so impossible that you're in the middle of the desert, I'll make rivers right in the middle of the desert. So hopefully this verse today, you see there's no reason God can't do a new thing in your life. You just have to be ready for it. Amen? Amen. Let's one time, just one more time, ask the Lord to help us today to receive His Word. I believe it's a timely word. And it's a word for our church today. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for the encouragement that comes from your word. That regardless of what our natural senses are saying, Lord, we can believe your word. Regardless of what we see, what we hear, what we feel. That Lord, you are able to do what you have said you will do. And Lord, I know today that if we will receive your word with faith, you're going to speak to each and every heart.
heart that is in this place. You're going to minister to us about the new thing that you want to do in each and every one of our lives because most of us need a change today. Most of us need something different in the life that we're living. And you've come to remind us today that you want to do a new thing. That you want to do a fresh thing and a better thing. In Jesus' name. And everybody who will agree with that, tell the Lord, Amen. And you can be seated. Amen. So today is more overwhelmingly a word of encouragement, but I do have to provide caution in the beginning because the Lord provided caution in this verse. Will you know it's happening? A man rushed into a suburban transit station one morning and almost breathlessly asked the ticket agent, When does the 801 train leave? Well, the man was What's that? Okay, Sunday school can be dismissed. It is that time for the Sunday school to be dismissed. I get caught up in time. When does the 801 train leave? The man asked. Well, the man in the ticket booth said, It's 7.59 by my watch. 7.57 by the town clock and 8.04 by the station clock which time am I to go by this is the man asking when the train's going to leave rather three different clocks my watch 759 the town clock 757 and 804 the station clock which time should I go by and the agent answered you can go by whichever clock you wish but you cannot go by the 801 train because it has already left There are times when we think we can live by any schedule we choose. And if we just change our own watch, oh, everything else changes. But life doesn't revolve around our time. Life revolves around His time. And we don't want the train of our blessing to leave the station without us. Amen? Luke 19 and 44 Luke 19.44 Jesus wept over Jerusalem because they didn't recognize the time of their visitation. They missed the train. Jesus was there. He was calling all, all on board. Everybody on board. But they missed their train. Numbers 14.40 tells us a group of Israelites tried to possess the land of Canaan the day after God told them their opportunity. It had passed. And as a result, they were defeated. Timing is important. First Chronicles 12.32, the sons of Issachar understood the times and they knew what Israel should do because they understood the times. They knew that, as Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. We've got to get on board with God's timetable. One of the great disasters of history took place in 1271 and it was not anything to do with a natural disaster. It was a spiritual disaster. A missed opportunity when Niccolo and Matteo Polo, the father and the uncle of the famous Marco Polo, were visiting Kublai Khan. And at that time, he ruled over China, India, and all of the Far East. This was an important man. He was convicted by the story of Christianity that they told him. 
And Kublai Khan said, Send me 100 men skilled in your religion, and I shall be baptized. And when I'm baptized, all of my barons and great men will be baptized, and their subjects will receive baptism too. So there will be more Christians here than in any other part of the world. However, nothing was done for 30 years. Then two or three missionaries were sent, and it was too few and too late. Imagine the difference of our world today if that ruler would have been baptized and converted to Christianity and ruled all over the Far East with Christianity. What would our world look like today? And I don't don't come to make us feel bad. We can't change yesterday, right? If we miss the train, that train's gone. But thankfully we haven't missed... God's trained today. None of us can do anything about yesterday or last week or two or three years ago. But we can do something about what God is calling us to do today. And Isaiah 43.9 again says, I will do a new thing, and it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? Will you be ready when I come and I call you to a new thing, to a new life? And if you think you're in a wilderness, I'm going to make a way out of your wilderness. And if you think you're in a dry and a barren desert, I'm going to give you rivers that will satisfy every thirst that you could ever have. And it's going to come forth quickly. It's going to come forth quickly. Luke 18. Luke 18 and 7 through 8. Luke 18, 7 says, And shall not God avenge His own elect, which cry day and night unto Him, though He bear long with them? I tell you, He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall He find faith on earth? Is He going to find people with faith that He's still coming? Or is He going to find people that have checked out and they don't recognize the time I want to be ready when God comes he'll find faith and I pray he finds it right here in this church that we're living like he's coming that we're not acting like he's not coming anytime soon but we're acting like he could come today that God is going to come speedily and avenge his own elect God may take us right down to the wire, but your shift may be coming sooner than you think. Don't give up on your prayers. Don't give up crying day and night. Believe that God is coming. There's a story that encouraged me greatly, and it's just after they found the the Dallas Seminary, no connection to me, in 1924... And it almost folded. It came down to the point of bankruptcy and all the creditors were ready to foreclose at 12 noon on a particular day. That morning, the founders of the school met in the president's office and they didn't begin to fret and and get upset and say, well, what are we going to do with our stuff? They're coming soon to take it. Let's run to the hills with our boxes full. But instead, they began to pray that God would provide. 
in that prayer meeting was Harry Ironside. When it was his turn to pray, he said in his refreshingly candid way, Lord, we know that the cattle on a thousand hills are yours. Please sell some of them cattle and send us some money. Good prayer, right? Lord, you have a thousand cattle. Why don't you just sell some and give us some of the proceeds? Just about that time, a tall Texan in boots and an open-collar shirt strolled into the business office. Howdy, he said to the secretary. I just sold two carloads of cattle in Fort Worth. I've been trying to make business deal go through, but it just won't work. Maybe this isn't how he talked, but it's my imagination. I feel God wants me to give this money to the seminary. I don't know if you need it or not, but here's a check. What did he just do? He sold some cattle. Hello? The secretary took the check, knowing something of the critical nature of the hour, went to the door of the prayer meeting and timidly tapped on the door. Louis Schaefer, the founder and president of the school, answered the door, took the check from her hand, and when he looked at the amount, he realized it was the exact amount they needed. Then he recognized the name on the check that was that of a cattleman. Turning to Dr. Iron says, well, looks like God sold the cattle. God sold the cattle. You don't know when your miracle is going to come. But if you choose to turn to worry and anxiety and stress and give in to those things, I'm not saying we won't struggle with those things, but when we start to struggle, we pray about it. We pray about it. We go to God and say, I'm here to receive from you. I trust in you and God will come through. God will do a new thing. God will do a new thing. And sometimes, again, we feel like we don't have very good faith because we don't even know what to pray. I can't tell God how to do it, so why should I pray about it? Well, guess what? You don't have to tell God how to do His job. You just have to ask Him for His help and let Him figure it out. That's what it means to trust in Him. How is it trusting in Him if I tell Him what to do? God's not a genie. He is God. He knows all things. If I can't figure it out, I just ask Him to take over and do a new thing. We must understand God's timing. We must believe that He wants to do something new in our lives. No matter how long we've struggled. No matter how long we've not been able to overcome the situation we're dealing with. God wants us to seize the moment and let Him do what needs to be done. We have to get on the train. But we don't make the train go down the track. It wouldn't be a very good train if we had to push it. So don't think you have to push the train. Get on the train. Surrender to the power of the train. You can try to walk across the country if you want to, but I'll ride the train, thank you. 
There are two major words translated as new in the New Testament. The word neos, which means recent, newly arrived, just appearing, youthful, rejuvenated. New in the sense of time. Numerically, but not different. So it means this year's crop, or maybe a new outfit, or a new book, or a baby. It's new in time. But then there's the word kainos, which means better and superior. Fresh and different. Not previously experienced or encountered. New in the sense of quality. For example, a horse and buggy versus an SUV. That's An SUV is new compared to a horse and buggy. Right? Morse code versus a cell phone. And some of you don't even know what Morse code is. But we all know what a cell phone is. It's a much improved mode of communication. Pen and paper versus a wireless laptop. God wants to do some things like that. He wants to do things not just that are fresh in time, but they are far superior to anything we have ever experienced. It doesn't matter if you've been surrendered to God for one day or a hundred years. God can still do things you have never experienced. Because He is a God that is greater. And He's into making things new. It's, he wants to do things that are unprecedented. Mark 1 and 27. This is that word. That, that word that means unprecedented. Superior. Greater than has ever been done before. Mark 1.27 They were all amazed in so much as they questioned among themselves saying, what is this thing? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth He even the unclean spirits and they do obey Him? We've been trying to live for the Lord our whole life and we never saw anything like this. This is so much better than our old way. Why haven't we had this before? That's the kind of stuff God is wanting to bring in to our lives and into our church to have more authority than we've ever had. So that we don't have to be the enemy's punching bag. We don't have to just, just give in to temptation. But God gives us authority to overcome. We don't have to be victims of anything. But when those temptations come and those struggles come, we can overcome it through authority by Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not a pipe dream. It's not, well, I wish it would happen. We need to seize the moment and let God teach us to make it happen. John 13, 34. John 13 and 34 says, A new commandment I give unto you. That ye love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. As I have loved you, that ye love one another. This wasn't a new commandment to love one another in the sense they'd never heard it before. But it was new because God was manifested in the flesh through Jesus Christ, standing in front of them, showing them firsthand how to love one another. All through the Old Testament, they knew to love each other. But Jesus said, I've come and I have loved you and that's how you're supposed to love each other. Just as I love you, you love others. 
We all know we're supposed to love one another. That's not new to any of us. But are we allowing Jesus to show us how to truly love each other? We can't just know to love one another. We've got to learn to love one another. Because Jesus shows us a superior love, a greater love. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Greater love hath no man than this. Who showed us that great love? Jesus. Jesus showed us how to love. So if you want to learn to love sacrificially, if you want to learn to love biblically, if you want to learn to love like Jesus tells us to love, we've got to go to Him daily and say, Lord, show me how to love people. Show me how to love my spouse. Show me how to love my children. Show me how to love my brother and my sister. And show me how to love my neighbor. Even show me how to love my enemies. Teach me how to submit to someone else and minister to their needs in the way that is best for them. That's the kind of love that Jesus will show us if we'll let Him teach us. It's a new commandment. Mark 16 and 17. Mark 16, 17 says, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with what kind of tongues? New tongues. Tongues that are new to you. They're new to you. Nothing you didn't you've never learned before. You don't just get up and say, Salama Honda, buy me a Jetta over and over again. You let the Lord teach you and speak through you. And that seems weird to others to speak in an unknown tongue. But God said everyone who believes will speak with new tongues. And remember that word new means better and superior and greater to what we can ever come up with in our own mind. When we're baptized with the Holy Spirit, we will speak in new tongue. A superior language. I know it takes us out of our comfort zone. It doesn't make sense to everybody, but it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's God's heavenly language as a gift to you and to me. And when we pray in the Spirit, we are praying the perfect will of God. We are not praying an imperfect prayer. We're not praying something we don't understand. We are praying with God's understanding. So we need to embrace new tongues, not run from them. And we don't have to focus on it. We don't have to to put too much emphasis on it. Just surrender to the Spirit and it will happen. It will happen. And when they were questioning these things, a, a group of men that eventually ended up starting the fellowship we're a part of, they decided if tongues is really part of it, we'll go and preach about the Holy Ghost. We won't say anything about tongues and see if it happens. And sure enough, they went and they preached. Be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Surrender to God and let Him fill you. They didn't mention anything about tongues, but people one by one all over the room started speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance because it was a new tongue from Jesus Christ. It was not man-made. It was not something they came up with. It was not something they dreamed up somewhere. But God fills us with His Spirit. And with it comes a new tongue. With every believer, He wants us to speak with new tongues. Not because man says so, but because it's God-given. It's God-given. It's God-given. 
Amen. I, I feel bad because sometimes I feel like I don't talk about it enough because I'm afraid of what people might think. I'm afraid they'll get scared away. But speaking in tongues is not my idea. It's God's idea. It's His tongue. Amen. And it's going to happen more and more around here. Just you wait and see. If people are uncomfortable with it, I feel horrible that they don't get to experience it. But they're rejecting God and not us. Ephesians 4.24 Ephesians 4.24 says, And that ye put on the new man. The new man, the new woman. That's a term that means either. You put on the new person. Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. God wants to give us a new man. He wants to make you a new man, a new woman, a new person in Him. Created in righteousness and true holiness. And we know the the old person tries to rise back up. The old person tries to take over from time to time. But Lord, let me have the superior man. Let me give in to the superior woman. Let me let you be formed in me. Let me be the person you want me to be. Not just a better version of me, but a new, better me. People lose a bunch of weight and they proudly declare, look at the new me. And they share it with the world. But in Christ we should be even more bold to declare, look at the new me. Look at the new me. Look what Jesus has done. He healed my body. He touched my soul. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. I was baptized in His name. I was filled with the Spirit. And my life has never been the same again. Look at the new me. Look at the new me. And God can do it for you too. God wants to do it for you. Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man, any person, not just a special select few, not just people that have earned it and they're, they're good enough somehow, not just somebody of a certain economic, social economic status and they have enough money or enough status and culture, but if any person, Be in Christ. He is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God specializes in making us new. Making us better. Revamping and reforming. Advancing and transforming. Elevating and upgrading. God wants to make us new. He wants to make us new today. He wants to make your marriage new. He wants to make your life new. He wants to make your children new. You may not feel like you're worthy of being made new today. But something happened this morning when the sun came up that qualifies us to find mercy and grace. Lamentations 3, 22-23 says it is of the Lord's mercies. We are not consumed because His compassions fail not. This is a matter of if He can fail or not. And He cannot fail because His mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Not great is my faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. 
I can have confidence today that I can be made new. Not because I'm good, not because I'm faithful, not because I've done everything right, but because His mercies are new every morning. And great is His faithfulness. If He says you can repent and you can be forgiven, you can repent and you can be forgiven. Don't take anybody else's word for it. Don't trust anybody else. If you just mention it to Him and you surrender it to Him, God can make you new. God can make you new today. One of the ways for us to receive a new thing from God is by offering new worship. We have to give Him fresh worship. Fresh worship produces a fresh move of God's Spirit in our lives. He responds to fresh worship. He doesn't respond to stale worship. Just like you don't respond to stale love, He doesn't respond to stale love. If it's your anniversary, don't get some old dead flowers out of the yard and bring them in and give them to your wife. Your wife wants some fresh flowers. She doesn't want to hear the same thing you've always said over and over, maybe sometimes to just reassure her, but she likes to hear a new thing every now and then. That's why Psalm 33.3, I'm just going to go through these quickly. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, fear it, and shall trust in the Lord. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvelous things. His right hand, his holy arm, hath gotten him the victory. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, upon a psaltery, an instrument of ten strings. I will sing unto thee. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of the saints. In Revelation 5, 9, they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. God wants us to learn to offer up some fresh praise to get up in the morning and say, Lord, I don't know what You're going to do today, but I'm trusting that I'm Your child. I know You're going to have Your way in my life. I'm not going to believe the lies of the enemy. I'm not going to give in to addiction today. I'm not going to give in to depression today. I'm not going to give in to stress and worry today. But I'm going to believe that my God is greater. My God is more than enough. And if I'm His child and He's my King, then everything is going to be alright. And I'm going to sing a new song because He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be praised. Just take a moment and praise Him. Sing a new song. Sing unto Him a new song. Lord, I'm thankful for what You're doing in my life. I've never been here before. I don't I don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't know what you're going to do next. But I'm excited because you're bringing me to a new place. You're doing something new in my life. And I trust you, Lord Jesus. I trust you today. I give you my life. I give you my life today, Jesus. And maybe it's the same words, maybe it's the same song, but is it sung with fresh dedication? Is it sung with a fresh awe for Him? An offering of ourself in Romans 12, uh, 1 through 2 tells us how to offer up the best kind of worship. And it needs to be fresh. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice. 
holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's looking for someone today to offer themselves as a sacrifice, to once again say, Lord, here is my life. Here is my hands. Here is my feet. Here is my mouth. Here is my heart. Lord, here is my mind. I want to be dedicated to you more than ever before. I don't want to just be a Christian. I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to just show up at church once a week. But God, I want to be sold out more than I've ever been sold out before so you can use me, so you can do a new thing in me, God. I want a new thing. I want a new experience. I need to be dedicated to you, Jesus. I'm tired of the same old, same old out of Christianity. I'm tired of the same old, same old out of my everyday life. I want something new. So I'm going to give myself in a new way. Because God is wanting to do a new thing. The only question is, are we ready to receive it? From time to time, lobsters go through a process and I'm not referencing anyone who was out in the sun too long recently. Your skin being red. Lobsters have their shells. And the problem is, as the lobster grows, the shell does not grow. The shell remains the same size because it is fixed in its size. If this lobster does not abandon its shell and exchange it for a new shell. This old shell will become their prison and finally their casket. The the scary vulnerable part is the transition period where you get out of that old shell and you start embracing the new shell. All of us want the new shell in theory, but we don't like the process of getting there. We don't want to feel that vulnerability of that stage in between where we're having to trust the Lord more than ever before. Where we've given up the steering wheel and we've given it to Jesus Christ. Where we've, where we've let ourselves become accountable to the brothers and the sisters that are part of His body. Because I'm sorry to say, but people nowadays think they can have Jesus without the body. That's impossible. You must have His body. You must be plugged into His body to have Jesus. And it's hard for us to trust because we've trusted people and we've been hurt before. But we need to trust again. We need to get on with both feet and say, God, here I am. I'm ready to put off this old shell. I'm ready to step out where I'm vulnerable because I know that in order to be renewed, In order to grow, I need a bigger shell. I need to change. Conclusion today, Jesus did not come to just patch up our old worn out life. If you think about our old life as a garment, Jesus didn't come with a sewing kit to make it look a little bit better. But he came with a brand new, superior garment. He came to trade you garments. 
He's not just going to patch it up. He's going to give you something brand new and better. And this isn't just speaking to someone who has not been saved. This is speaking to everyone. God wants to give us some new garments to put on and to wear. Isaiah 61.3 Isaiah 61.3 says, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. That's a good trade. The oil of joy instead of mourning. Instead of going around and being down and out and struggling and sad. And I'm not belittling that with anyone today because I struggle with those things. But instead of that, God wants to give us the oil of joy. How does this come about? He gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Anyone feel heavy? Not just when you stand on the scale. But spiritually, mentally, emotionally, God wants to give us the answer to that. The answer to a spirit of heaviness is a garment of praise. Because when you put on praise, it's hard to stay down. It's hard to say a bunch of positive stuff and say in a bad mood. And don't go do it sarcastically and say, See, I can. Oh, my life is great. And you're all sarcastic. Nothing changed. Say it with sincerity till you believe it. Trust that God is going to answer your situation and your problem. And soon you just might be doing a little dance in the living room instead of laying on the couch and crying. Again, I'm not making fun of anybody. I've been there. My thumb is getting wrinkles from sucking it so much. I need to learn to praise. Get our thumbs out of our mouth. Trade in our pampers for some adult chonies. Isaiah 61.10 I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. That's some words of faith right there. That's a choice. Because when you say, I will praise the Lord, it's your will that decides whether you will or not. You have to choose. It's a matter of choice. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Not because my life's perfect. Not because I have all the money I want and all the clothes I want and the car I want to drive and the house I want to live in. But because He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. And when I'm wearing the garments of salvation, I'm on my way to heaven. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day what happens in this life because I'm going to be with Him for all of eternity. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. I'm not wearing my own robe of righteousness because my clothes are filthy rags. The choices I made is a filthy garment. But He gives me a new garment, a robe of righteousness so I can rejoice. Not because I've been perfect, but because He made me clean. He let me wear something I don't deserve to wear. It would be like a surgeon walking up to somebody on the street and giving him his robe 
Someone who never been to medical school. Someone who never doesn't know anatomy and physiology. He just walks up and says, here's my robe. Go do some surgery. Now hopefully the hospital will recognize he should not be wearing that robe. That, that, that cloak. But that's the point is God comes. He's perfect. He's righteous. We're not. And He puts on our clothes for us. He says, here's a robe of perfection. Wear it. Not because you're worthy, but because I died so you could wear it. I shed my blood so you could wear it. The garments of praise and salvation are far superior to any other way of life. To live a life of praise and to experience salvation is the greatest life. God wants to forgive you. He wants you to repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Not because it's man's idea, but because it's His idea. And Felipe is going to be baptized in just a few minutes. Right over here. In Jesus' name. That's something we can choose to allow to happen. But it's not our righteousness that saves us in that moment. It's not me or somebody else that's baptized you that makes it right. It's the name of Jesus Christ that washes your sins away. And the Bible says that you come out of the water a new person. A new creature. Because the old person went down in the water and was buried just like Jesus was buried in the tomb. And you come out of the tomb like Jesus came out of the tomb with a perfect body in a perfect state of being. We will get that in heaven, but this side of earth at least will be clean. At least will be clean. And when you praise God, as I said earlier, you don't have to try to do it. It's just going to happen. God's going to baptize you with His Spirit. And you will speak with new tongues as His Spirit gives you the utterance. And anyone who here who's had that happen, if you ask them how they felt, they're going to say, I felt pretty much brand new. I felt pretty good afterwards. I felt like a new person afterwards. Because God wants to make us new. If you could stand, please. If you're able, if you're not, you can remain seated. But God wants to do a new thing in our lives, in our marriages, in our situations. And the reason I provided the caution is because sometimes we get to a juncture and God says, I'm trying to lead you somewhere. And we won't go because of unbelief. We won't go because we don't think the timing's right. We won't go because our watch says, it's not time. It's not possible. Something is, it can't happen for me. Maybe for somebody else, but not for me. But I believe God is looking for some people to grab hold of faith today and say, it's time for me to have something new happen in my life. It's time for me to see some new things in my life. And not just in our individual lives, but as I come to a close today, He wants to do a new thing in His church. We're seeing it all over the world where God is...